Why is recorded in front of a live studio audience. Let's get Edie Brickell on the show. Right. <laughs> I think we're both kind of like the new Paul Simon because we're still crazy after all these years. We really are. Yeah. You know, me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Yep. And I saw the Statue of Liberty flying out to sea. Mm-hmm. I think uh, he's sailing away. Okay, yeah. All the way to Saginaw. There you go. Yeah. No, I when I saw Simon and Garfunkel, when I got tickets, everyone was like, "Oh, they're they're not going to be good. Art can't hit the notes." I was like, "Listen, if they walk out, they sing America, and then literally flip everybody off, turn and leave. <laughs> I'll be like, that's the best show I've ever seen." Yes, I agree. I totally agree. So. They didn't, I, which was kind of disappointing, but, yeah. you know. I have not seen them. I've seen him. He is amazing. Yeah. I, uh. I'm a rock. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, well, I'm more of an island. You are. Um, <laughs> but the first time I saw him was with Dylan, which was amazing. That because was- it, like, two completely different approaches to music. Mm-hmm. And, like, the first night, I went to two nights in a row because... I'm that person but the first night Dylan opened and it was just everything you I love about him complete mess who knows how long this song's gonna go for he's kind of making up new melodies the whole time and then Paul Simon comes out with and I cannot remember what the first song was I think it was Bridge Over Troubled Waters like it starts with like a, a cello it's a very vague thing and slowly everything comes in and I'm just like this is such a wonderful disparate like within 20 minutes completely different sound and he's got you know band of 15 people up there with all these weird instruments and it was they were both wonderful but it was just like this is such a night and day it's kind of lovely yeah i saw him with sting Mm, that'd be good it was it was i I went and saw the police because I was intrigued by Sting, but didn't think I could take two hours of lute playing. That's fair. Plus, I just wanted, that was a fascinating show. Three brilliant musicians who had no desire to look at the other two guys on stage. It was like the most weird, like. It's, their thing is like the, like, it's like Dalette said, like the testosterone mm -hmm. runs deep. Very, very deep. And you can tell that like their beef is only ego. Yes. There's like no real shit. It's just ego. And in many ways, I feel like each one of them could completely justify the ego side of it. Like, yeah, I totally agree. They are incredibly, they know how good they are. Yep. For better or for worse. Yep. This is Why, with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. Connor, where are you? Emily said you're on the East Coast. Like, uh, all I good people. In, yeah, I'm in Dover, Delaware. Uh, okay. Exotic Dover, Delaware. Mm-hmm. The first state. It is indeed yes. first. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you reside there normally, or... You just um, well, the got caught I used in the to wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> well, this kind I, of does tie in. I keep going. Yeah, Connor. it does. No, you're uh, to tie into what? <laughs> oh, tie into our tour time. <laughs> oh, yes, it does. 
Um, so, uh, uh, tour ended March 8th, naturally on its own. Everything the was the best luck that we didn't know we had until later that week. <laughs> exactly. And we would have loved for the tour to go longer, but the fact that it didn't, we had already made peace with it. And now it would have been impossible to, <laughs> to keep going. Um, I moved back into New York with an apartment I shared with my, uh, girlfriend at the time and, uh, her and our two roommates. Uh, and then from Monday through Friday, the city went into a complete change. Like on a Monday, we, I had like five auditions that I went to oh. on that, on that Friday. Uh, you sorry, book any? Thir- no, <laughs> no. <laughs> <Nothing>. even worse. <laughs> Nothing. Um, I'm also wearing my COVID vaccine t-shirt. Very nice. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, by that, by that, uh, Friday, everything had shut down and we had all, either bought plane tickets to go to our prospective parents' homes or cars. Um, the, uh, we ended up <laughs> uh, not going back to the apartment. I stayed with my girlfriend and her family for a few months, and then I helped my parents move into their new home. I was planning on going back to New York uh, with said girlfriend. That didn't happen. Uh, so I moved all the stuff out of the apartment into a storage unit, and have been living here uh, since October of last year, after I early voted October of last year. So. Could be worse. <laughs> yeah. Much worse. yeah. It could be much worse. I could not, I could have, I could not have a place like this to come back to. Exactly. You got a bookshelf and everything. I feel like that's now the go-to, the go-to question to ask everybody is like, how's your COVID been? What happened right. to you mm-hmm. that was like life crushing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's been hard doing interviews that don't begin with like, so how awful has your life been? Go. <laughs> and like. Okay. But relatable, right? Relatable. Exactly. Very, unfortunately, yeah. very much so. Yeah. yeah. So now did you two know each other prior to hopping on the satellite of love? We did not at all. We did attend the same callback though. And oh. we did, in fact, uh, work together in that callback as well. Mm-hmm. Stars we aligned. Yeah, we we riffed the movie together, and then we did an improv scene together. Um, we did. Oh, I yeah. forgot because you were the you were the coffee person, with, and I was the irate Starbucks. customer. Yep. <laughs> Classic improv. Totally. <laughs> Um, and then uh, uh, Emily invited me to her going away party as a way to be like to like so we could meet before we went on contract. Um, and so the yeah, first before we, we lived on was... a bus together for right. months and months and months. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so, but yeah, before that, no. That's so. How much time did you have? I guess so. To, to go to, I don't know what's easier to talk about the live show or the tv show but as far as writing all of that apart you know emily you mentioned before we started recording watching nothing but terrible movies for months on end do you just watch the same piece of crap over and over and over again do you do it separately do you do it individually and go well i found these terrible things to talk about (laughs) how does that process work you know i i for me, 
I'll be curious to see what you say, Connor. Because um, what was nice with writing the movies this time around is we did have some group time where we were looking at the movie, which was honestly invaluable because at some point when you're watching a terrible movie, you hit that wall and just go, it's just terrible. There's nothing funny. It's just terrible. And so having the group was always so nice because you're like, oh, thank goodness. I'm falling in love with this bad movie again and falling in love with this process again. Um <laughs> But I'd say it was definitely a mix because I think there's things that come to you in the moment where you're like, wait a minute, I see that thing. That, that's hilarious. What's going on? But then there's the ones like the riffs that you really belabor, like looking at a scene and you're like, there has to be something here. And then, you know, 20 minutes in, you finally are like, all right, now I finally, I see it, the kernel of what could be funny in this moment. But it definitely, uh, it definitely had walls of, you know, there's nothing more frustrating than feeling like you should be able to come up with these punny like riffs about a movie and just hitting a wall with that regard. You're like, this is so easy. Children can do this. Why can't your brain do this right now? <laughs> so that, that was my process is, you know, failing and then coming back and being like, okay, cool. I do have some good ideas. Thank goodness. Connor, similar for you. Sometimes all you could throw at it is, um, I don't know, poop. <laughs> Because <laughs> just you're not quite, there. There are exact. It's exactly what Emily said. There are things that will pop out at you, and like this is exactly it. And then there are some things that you have to sort of uh, finagle and work on your own. I know I would do. Uh, I would do two passes of a. We would get ten minutes to work on uh, a day. So like Sunday night. Uh, which would be the beginning of our work week, we'd get access to the movie. Um, And so I would watch the first 10 minutes and then uh, write everything down that that first came to mind first time. And then I would do it again, uh, like an hour and a half later, I would walk away, come back and see if there was anything else or uh, uh, finesse anything that wasn't very clear. Uh, And then the third time would be on the day on Monday when we would go through the 10 minutes and see if anything new popped up or um, if uh, anybody had anything to add to mine, or if I had another idea that could add to somebody else's. Uh, And then after that, we would, um, uh, after that 10 minute period had passed, we would all get broken up into different groups and select our favorites from like a section of two minutes of that 10 minutes. Uh, um, And we'd get paired off with someone. And it was so I was so grateful to be paired off with people because it really is like the more the merrier you're holding on to each other and you're like, what is this? What are we doing? Um, And like it made it so much easier to uh, uh, pick the funniest one. And um, because the both of us would laugh at it. Uh, And so it was so surreal. And then, the weekend would come and we would need that time to like step away from it for a bit. Thank goodness we had two weeks to work on each film because, oh boy. (laughs) Now, are you writing just for Servo or are you just throwing anything that strikes you as amusing out there? Anything and everything. If we have an ideal for... Sure, go ahead. I was just going to say it's 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 a great writer's room because it's so democratic, which I love is like even nobody really tries to pay attention to who wrote what riffs like. And honestly, sometimes you just lose track at the end of a writer's day. And when you go to look at the riffs, it's like, I don't remember who wrote what. And it's so nice to have that cover 
because it truly is. It's like whoever's like the best idea in the room ends up getting picked because you really don't remember, was that me? Did I say that? Or did somebody else say that? Oh, wow, that's really funny. And so it was nice to have that freedom to be like so unfocused in the beginning and then you refine later. Has there ever been that moment though when there was that one scene where you could not find a single kernel of anything in it and then when you all got together somebody said something that was so blatantly obvious that you can't even fathom that you didn't come up with it oh that's a great question and is a great i question. feel i feel like that's kind of how runners got made i don't know connor if you would say that like especially when Absolutely. there are scenes when you're like belaboring it and then somebody just says something that becomes the darling of the room so quickly <laughs> where we're like that's hilarious. That observation is amazing. And then all of a sudden, like the leader of the room needs to be like, guys, stop, stop putting that back in. We know it's very funny, but we can't have it five times in one 10 minutes. And we're like, no, mm-hmm. but we love it. It's saving us in this scene. Um, yes, a hundred percent. One that comes to mind is there's a film that has a lot of that you will see on the upcoming uh, season. Subscribe to the Gizmoplex today. There we go. Perfect. Got it in. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's a movie that has a lot of uh, both um, uh, underwater sequences and uh, driving sequences uh, (laughs) where they rented a camera that could be mounted on a car and can go underwater and Gosh darn it, are you going to see everything that they filmed? Because this was amazing for the time. Um, and so for the car sequence especially, we were, I mean, it was, it's a, it's a three-minute car chase sequence. And so we were like, really, re- everybody was throwing everything at it. And we were all just kind of like, yeah, that's good. That, that's okay. That's, that works. That's all right. Um, and then one of the writers... Uh, uh, pitched uh, lyrics to the music that was going on underneath it. And it slayed. It absolutely slayed uh, to the point where we then in our own writers and our own writers pods that uh, uh, we would like make sure that nothing was going to cover it up because we wanted to make sure that that moment was good. And then we added a reprise of it right at the end. Um, of the car sequence to to double down on it um and so it is a hundred percent like someone will find something it's it's it really does uh show the the uh the uh the wealth and strength of the human spirit because somebody will find <laughs> something uh even if you have watched it five times in a row and have been wondering like i have to get something in this 10 seconds but but nothing is coming to mind and i've already used all my gordon lightfoot jokes <laughs> and so no one can ever run out of gordon lightfoot jokes no oh, yeah yeah that's a <laughs> special shout out to one of the writers uh, that i was working with <laughs> Love mr you, lightfoot welcome to yeah. the show yeah <laughs> and then along comes something where it's just clicks and you're like of course it is 100 mm-hmm. percent. did you have anything like that emily And so used to having everything in front of them right away that we forget that innovation just takes time. I, I myself, I get frustrated too. Why? And you know, this is being one of my best friends is 
hey, I talk to you all the time. Hey, man, I'm frustrated in the fact that I can't seem to just get there in mm -hmm. the next day. But that's just not how these things work, right? Innovation needs to be planned out. It needs to be very methodical. And then when it finally hits, that's when it seems like to everyone else that it, it sort of just came out of nowhere. But to you, you know the amount of dedication that it took over that time. Oh, boy. I think, well, you said song lyrics definitely had some some good orchestration and song lyrics in our group as well. And there's something... I think sometimes some of the most demoralizing segments to riff is where um, we'll usually have a little counter for how much silence is gonna be in a scene. And you could just see everyone's faces fall when we got to like two minutes of silence, three minutes of silence, and everybody just goes, oh my gosh, <laughs> how are we possibly gonna fill all this time? Like time to do our real work. And there were a couple moments, I think similar, Connor, everybody's up to their old tricks. Um, where it was just somebody goes, I have a brilliant idea for like a parody song we can put in here. And everybody's like, oh, thank you. We're a runner. Somebody's like, we can keep running this joke during this part and that that could be a lifesaver. And then there were other times where they'd have to tell you to stop because everybody just had too many things for a scene. You're like, it's stop, we, we have too much now. <laughs> There's too it's much true. here. Uh, so uh, oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna just say uh, uh, Jonah, uh, would lead one of the rooms I was in, and he would he would say, "Guys, just pitch your favorites, <laughs> one per writer. That's it for this one <laughs> second. That's all we have time for. Come on." That's so fun. <laughs> uh, it really was. <laughs> do you find yourselves not that anyone's having friends over for movies anymore, but do you find yourself at home or wherever when you're just watching a movie for enjoyment and it can be a technically great film that you just start riffing anyway and finding everything? Because I do that and I was only a fan of <laughs> your show. So <laughs> Actually, Connor, I felt mm -hmm. funny. Sometimes after a writer's room, I would just start sort of riffing life lightly. <laughs> like somebody would say something and you're like, I've got a funny thing to say about that. And they're like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? I'm like, I'm in the zone. I'm, I'm doing observational humor now. And you're like, please stop that. You, <laughs> you turn it to Jerry Seinfeld at the diner. <laughs> in oh real God. lifetime. Yeah. And, and all your the, friends are that like, would be a big i think you need to do that yeah no <laughs> no all your friends are just want you out of there oh man <laughs> i you know what's funny it's kind of um uh, a, a practice i would i got uh, in over the summer is i would since i am currently living with them i would show my parents the films that we were going to work on and then <laughs> they would also start to rip on something but then it did bleed over into the other things that we would watch. And sometimes it wasn't even a laugh. I mean, sometimes it wasn't even a joke. It would just be like a, an awkward moment of a film that we would all just laugh at that wasn't meant to be awkward. And the worst one was we, we were watching Citizen Kane. <laughs> you know, lauded five-star classic. classic. good. Yeah. How the, dare the, you? The uh, uh, progenitor of modern movies. So they say. <laughs> so they say. Uh, uh, and there's a section where um, it's uh, early in the film, and uh, 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 Orson Welles's character like comes in at a at a celebration. He goes, 
but I have to go. And he, and he leaves and they're, they're all wondering, where'd he go? Where'd he go? And then Joseph Cotton goes, let's go to the window. <laughs> and he says it in a way that is so like, gosh, gee, Willikers. <laughs> and then they all go, yeah. And the three of us who had just like, like, this is, this is, <laughs> this is a prime rib of film. This is a filet mignon. And we had been watching like chucked meat, like ground garbage, ground skunk meat, like, <laughs> every weekend and we all just laughed at this moment it was just so awkward and it was like oh great i've ruined citizen kane <laughs> and included my parents in it and now they can't watch anything good anymore without having some kind of commentary vocalized or not uh running through it let's say that you spread the disease yeah spread the yeah. disease comment. i don't even think it's bad because i'm a lover of classic film i mean i love them all but i do not love citizen kane so you just oh, made citizen kane way oh, better for me <laughs> <laughs> so i thank you for that well when you're, when you're watching the scene when they're in the when they're in the newspaper uh the edit the editor room and they say let's go to the window just yeah i'm, I'm glad thank i you. can change that moment I, for you. I appreciate that <laughs> So in uh, in coming to the series, obviously, you guys are coming in a few years after it started. Um, Connor, how much of what Servo has been, how much either leeway are you given or do you want to have? And Emily, you've got, mm. you know, some mighty large jumpsuits to fill. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. It's true. They are all significantly taller than she is. It's true. They really are. <laughs> Jonah being the tallest of all of them. Oh, so that's a uh, it's a high bar to go right back. Yeah. Something uh, uh, Joel was very interested in uh, for all of us was that we, when we all auditioned, um, uh, especially uh, uh, Yvonne, Nate, and myself, since they were creating this new character for Emily, there was something the three of us brought to Crow, GPC, and Tom, respectively, that was that was reminiscent of who the characters were that he had made. And I think what the three of us consciously worked on was no matter who's playing each character, there is a kernel of truth that's at the center of it. So if I'm going to get a little uh, inside the actor's studio with you real quick. Please, um, yes. <laughs> Uh, uh, the thing about every Tom is that they are super emotional uh, and a bit pretentious and uh, are 12 years old. And Joel had those three um, uh, ideas put in to us. And, and for each iteration of the character, whether it was uh, Kevin Murphy or Jay Elvis or... Uh, Baron or myself uh, and with those three we could do whatever we want as long as we had those uh, centralized um, ideas with them and that can make a lot of different things like um, for example Baron's uh, uh, Tom the way that he pronounces his um, uh, uh, emotional <laughs> vulnerability is he's very huffy with everybody so he'll be like no I don't want to do this um, uh, uh, Kevin, uh, Tom would, uh, you know, uh, establish emotional connections with the creepy girl from, uh, 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 oh, we just watched it the other week, um, Catalina Caper. 
uh, or start with like a, um, a song being like this, uh, the uh, a song uh, that is protective of Canadian people because the particular movie they were watching was making fun of Canada. And the other two would be like, ha ha, screw you, you're du- uh, Canada's dumb. And then he would be like, you're right, let's burn it to the ground. And then like, <laughs> no sense of proportion. And I wanted to make sure I uh, kept that in and I, the way that I've been able to do it is really give everything to the songs that he sings. Cause he's also another through line is he's very musical. Um, and so like everything that he sings, it's very important. Um, and everything that he's, that he says is quite important. Um, and that was so far in, in my, um, in my short tenure of uh, uh, playing around with him has been the way that I've explored his emotionality and his um, emotional immaturity. Let's say. <laughs> so Emily, amazing. you've got you have more of a blank slate, but yeah, and or that's, not that. Well, that's kind of the interesting thing. No, oh, Luke, can I say it has been Please. so blank <laughs> from the beginning? Um, but it, which has actually been like incredibly refreshing and yet also challenging as all get out. Um, so to speak to actually how. When I first auditioned for the show, I at that point had been like, I had been my, I was set on being a puppeteer. Like that had been my career for years and years at that point. When the audition notice went up, I was going in for the female, like singing puppet role, which at that time could either have been servo or it could have been GPC. They were actually open to having a female servo. So then at the end of the audition, um, basically at the end of my audition day is that so I didn't expect Joel to be in the room. And that was like, oh my gosh. Cause I mean, similar to, I think me and Connor have talked about this a lot. Like I grew up watching this with my dad. Like when I saw the audition notice, I like immediately was trying to just like nerd out as possible to be just like, I know what this is. Like, here's my favorite episodes. Like I'm so psyched to be able to go to this. Um, and that Joel was there. And just like in that moment of like pure animal panic that you get when you're in an audition, uh, my brain told me that it would be a good way to stand out to basically be brutally honest. So my mother does not like MST3K, does not care for it, never liked it. We always watched it when she was out of town. So like my <laughs> line, my line when I told Joel at the end of the audition, I was like, I'm so happy to be here. Like this show has meant so much to me and my brother and my dad. You know, my mom, however, when she heard I was auditioning for this, her response was that show got a national tour. And Joel just laughs behind the table. And like, I go about my day, get the call back, come back in. And he says like, you know, it was so funny that you said that thing that your mom, like, what if I'd been like upset about that? And I was like, well, Joel, now that you've like put me on the spot, I have to be honest. She actually said, how did that stupid show (laughs) national tour? (laughs) Everybody laughs again, kills slaves. And then the next thing I know is I get the offer and it says, you will be playing the role of like circus rigger. And I was like, wait, what? Circus rigger? Like, what is this? That's not a puppet. Like, what am I doing? (laughs) And so as it all like basically turns out when finally we meet Joel in the rehearsal processes, he was like, yeah, you're basically like, essentially he was like, I really liked your East Coast delivery. And I think you'd be really good in this human role. I don't know what it'll be, but let's see what happens. (laughs) So, it had been this incredible process from like the beginning that Joel was just like, I don't know, what do you want it to be? 
which is amazing, but also like so much pressure. And so yeah. in a weird way, I think what I ended up kind of like holding on to, because I think there's something cool about the host that they're always very um, thinking of the kernel. I think there's like a very low BS meter with the hosts. Like they're not big personalities. The robots are the big personalities. Like they're always kind of these lovable straight men trying to keep these crazy kids from like ruining the ship. Um, so in that way, I was like, well, I don't want to be something like Joel thought I was good for this role when I auditioned. And I was just honestly myself <laughs> and kind of like trying to be a lovable smart ass. Um, and so that's kind of always what I've now tried to hold on to, even if I've ever been like, well, what would people want the host to be? What would people want me to do in this show? Is I've always been like, well, I'll just be me. And hopefully people will like that. And it honestly ends up working out because every day getting to be in the show, like the live show and now getting to film these episodes and people are like, are you so excited to be there? And I'm like, oh my gosh, every day it feels crazy that this is my new reality. And so I think that's like the kernel that I'm like gonna hold on to in this next, what I would like to bring to my host segment is just a little bit of that, just wide-eyed, like happy to be here. Um, and yeah, just as much as myself as possible, just to try and not make it a forced thing, but just me earnestly, like so psyched to be there and trying to deliver that East coast delivery that uh, apparently Joel <laughs> really liked. So Channel your inner circus rigor. Yeah. Channel my inner circus rigor, you know, like you need a trapeze or something. I know. Well, it's. Yeah. That that has been my favorite thing is the way things have evolved. People do ask about the last name and how it's changed. Yes, yes, <laughs> which is so funny. Um, yeah, I think it evolved. I think Joel was just like always so. I don't know. Was always so open to see what would happen with me. It's kind of what yeah. I feel like happened. Basically, it's very true. He was another breakdown from the initial audition uh, that was sent out on you know, backstage and actors access, which is a, for those who aren't in the biz, it's a, through two different websites or backstage is a long history of job uh, openings. And uh, one of the, what offered was a circus performer where someone would come in and juggle and be either uh, a, a, somebody working alongside Joel or somebody working alongside the Mads. Um, and so uh, uh, that then, because he was so taken with both Emily and uh, Yvonne, uh, morphed into Mega Cynthia and uh, Emily Crenshaw, who then uh, became uh, Emily Connor. Uh, and so because of the, the strength of both of their auditions, he basically had this, this blueprint that he made and went, and he threw it off. He threw it out. Why not? <laughs> that's that's faith, and that's. I mean, it sounds like just hearing the two of you talk and um, talking with the other uh, writer on the show, whose name is completely blanking me, which yeah. is incredible. Oh, thank you, Matt thank you, yep. thank you. We'll cut sweet, all this sweet out, baby Matt. Yes, <laughs> I'll cut this part out. So, talking with Matt, um, it seems like. <laughs> everyone associated with the show is there's a lot of freedom and sort of within that freedom and encouragement to, to do what feels right. And to find that, and that there's no preciousness to any of this. It's like, well, do what you feel right. You know, the show, you know, these characters, like 
do what works for you. A hundred percent. And actually I was just thinking of, um, thinking of the live show again, how not precious Joel was with the riffs. Um, and how like, I mean, there's a lot of shows out there. Theatrical shows is what I'm thinking of where people will be like, set it and forget it. Like what happens in that last day of rehearsal? Like that's what gets performed every night. Like it does not change. And I loved that was not the case on our tour at all is that after every night, Joel would be like, did you think that joke hit? Like, I don't know, like maybe we should try it with this thing. Or like the boys, Connor and Nate would do like, try something new. And Joel would be like, oh my gosh, that was really good. Let's write it in. Like he was just always so open to trying new things. Um, which was so awesome, you know, a little terrifying because you're like, oh man, now I hope I do a good job. <laughs> yeah, now I hope but, I remember what I just did. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, it was always so much freedom. And yeah, it, Joel's always been a huge proponent of he doesn't want to be precious with the show, which is so nice because there is like a lot of, you know, pressure I put on myself from watching the show since I was a kid that I was like, oh man, am I going to to be here to be like in this thing I used to watch religiously but it's nice to have the creator like literally being like no it's just just have fun just enjoy it so it's been so nice to have that from the beginning because he really didn't have to be that way at all I feel like all of the fans like hopes and dreams would be crushed if he was precious with it like, I feel like if we were talking to him, you're like, it's really structured. He's got it all mapped out. And you do this. Like, I feel like that would be devastating as a fan. Well, and I think part it's of so- that, like, you want that natural flow, you know. That- and it's really built into the show. It's like, I love Joel talking us through, like, when he first put all this together, like, taking us to, you know, the Salvation Army where he got the things to make the bots originally. That was so cool. It was so cool. And it's just, it's true. It's never been precious from the beginning. It was always just an exploration and the, right. Yeah. So you guys are heading out on tour and Emily, you said you're shooting right before that or Mm -hmm. so uh, this is going to be released either right as the tour is starting or the show is the Gizmoplex is, is up and gizmoing. Um, how much time do you have to shoot one of these? What's the like time frame? You said it's a couple weeks, Connor, to to write the damn thing, but to actually get it on tape and where everyone's like, perfect, let's move on to the next thing. Yeah, I mean, I think similarly with us not being precious with it, I think. Well, and the nice thing too is that the the way the season is broken up, you know, they'll be filming it in different segments, which is nice. Um, so there's part of what we're doing part of what we're doing in October. Um, but yeah, we'll be, we'll be moving pretty quickly through it, I think is the, is the idea. So the, getting back I, to basics. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, literally. Yeah. Uh, it, it'll, um, what's different about what it, like the process it was when it was on cable versus now is that when it was on cable, I believe they had the first part of the week to write it. And then the last part of the week to film it. And the good news is that we've had so much more time to write. Um, uh, uh, whereas, uh, and as we're filming, we're going to be filming it in that pretty, pretty tight segment. We've got uh, two full weeks to film uh, uh, 
a good chunk of Emily's episodes, uh, which would include, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, myself and uh, Nate and Yvonne um, and a few other interesting, surprising guests um, in that in those two weeks, and it's it might, it'll break down depending on what we can get done, um, and then we have a week to rehearse the tour, and then whoo, we're out. Uh, mm-hmm. So. <laughs> the the writing has been nice and elongated and the filming is going to be go 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 which has actually been the nice thing that we have been in the writer's room like yes. that actually has worked out very nicely that we're not going to walk in the first day and be like so what are we watching what are, <laughs> what are we looking at right. you know that we've been very involved in like writing everything for the most part that we'll be a part of it's like it's nice that we'll we won't be you know starting from zero on the first day we can hit the ground running hundred percent. But yeah, it'll be a lot. <laughs> it'll be fun. And then the live show, you're doing the same film every night. Yes. Mm-hmm. Making contact. Coming to a city near you. Yeah. Go on MST3KLive.com oh. for more. That you've, movie. you've done this before, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell? Connor's a natural performer. Yeah, it just uses it. Um. Uh. So yeah, yeah that so movie you're... is going to be a lot. <laughs> so yeah, it's very different. It's a very different beast entirely um, from what filming the uh, episodes are going to be because it will be the same episode. It will be the same film every time along with the same sketches every time. Uh, and we'll have also a backlog of riffs to choose from uh, where we'll... After the first few performances, we'll see which ones work and which ones don't, and then we'll change them on. Uh, we'll change the ones that need to be changed, but we're gonna have to watch Make in Contact for four straight months. Uh, a lot of contact. A lot of make. Oh. A lot of contact we'll be making. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You're absolutely right, Heidi. <laughs> Now, would that you recommend all that COVID stuff right there? <laughs> now, would you truly recommend... couldn't have picked a worse title for COVID. <laughs> I know, or the best title of the title. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's true, <laughs> <it>, right? <laughs> Might as well be called "Open Mouth Coughing." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would you recommend um, that people going to the show make contact prior to? coming to the show or is it best to just come in cold and see what you've done to you know rescue this film that's a great question because i had people ask me this the last tour where they like should we watch the movie before we come i think i say no Mm. that's what i would say yeah i agree and here's here's why the the idea behind the show entirely is that the bots are also seeing the film for the first time. So you're experiencing the film. If you didn't see it beforehand, or if you haven't seen it since childhood, which a lot of people apparently watch this as children and poor people, poor, poor people. We couldn't be sorrier for that. Um, But we can all experience it or re-experience it for the first time together. Um, so I would recommend waiting because, or if you honestly kind of the best thing would be, uh, to take a time machine, go back to the eighties, watch it, 
and then live the next uh, uh, 40 years and then have it come back into your memory and be like, oh yeah, that thing happened. What was that all about? He really decided to shoot this? <laughs> the dad is what? I know. I think it's also like you could maybe if you watched it ahead of time, start getting to the part where you're like, oh, I bet they'll say something really funny at this bit. I bet this bit that's really going to be something clever. So I think sometimes it's better. You'll be more in the moment if you haven't watched it ahead of time. That's my two cents. Okay. This is good to know. I, from both of your answers, I still don't know if I should see this film beforehand, but... (laughs) But that's... Don't. (laughs) Right, yeah, but... (laughs) I'm going to do it just to be contrary. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Take a try out the other way and let's let's see how people feel about it, you know? Yeah. Well, you know my love of German cinema. So mm. it's oh, and this is <laughs> and this I feel like is a loss of translation. Similar to No Retreat, No Surrender. It's somebody who's trying to make a movie about American culture from the outside. And it's so amazing. <laughs> Cause I feel like things will inexplicably pop up that you're like, huh that I guess he's eating a burger and that is American, but I don't know why he's doing it right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, why, yeah, why is the bully eating a full cake? He's just <laughs> hanging out. Tracks. He's hanging out on like outside on a hot day in in <laughs> in, in LA. Seattle, Connor. In Seattle, in Seattle. Seattle. You're right. LA karate is better than Seattle karate. That was one of the conflicts. That's right. In Seattle karate, he's like hanging out, broad daylight. It's Seattle. He's eating a full cake. What are you doing? I don't know, but if if like eating a full cake makes me tougher and better at karate, I'm all in. I'm moving to Seattle if that's what they're doing there. God. (laughs) This fall, Mystery Science Theater will be back on your television and also on a stage near you. For more information on the show, when new episodes are coming out, this whole new thing they've got called the Gizmoplex, check out their website, mst3k.com. And for the Time Bubble Tour, where you can see Emily and Connor live and not just on your TV, check out mst3klive.com. And don't forget to leave us a review. Today's show is produced by myself and Heidi Hegquist. Our reluctant producers are John Sauvé and Sandy Stone. Our willing producers are Rachel Allen and Randy Jeanette. Our intern is Zach Jackson. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home. Nigel, is that you? Are you here, Nigel?